0: I don't know about you, but we've said this uh, several weeks now. I love fixer-upper shows. Uh, They make it easy. For 30 to 45 minutes, uh, they can take a house that looks like it's about to fall down and make it look like it belongs in a magazine within 45 minutes. But something unfortunately happens when I watch those shows. I think, man, that was really easy. I could do that. Anybody like that? You think you can watch a YouTube video and boom. And some of you can and I don't like you, but I (laughs) can't. And, and what has happened is is i've had projects in my home where i 've said, "Hey, I can do that." And if you don't know me, I'm not very good at building things, so I even think it ought to be a federal offense if I have certain tools in my hand because I will kill somebody on accident. And, and, and I, I've tried to build things, and then I've had to, hire, it to f- hire people to finish it because I couldn't do it. Has anybody had projects like that where you thought, that is easy, but then you end up having to hire it out or it's still undone in your home? Come on, somebody testify. You have an undone project in your home. Yeah, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. Don't leave me hanging there. I'm going to call you out right now in the name of Jesus. Uh, What I love about these shows is there's usually something about the house that is almost impossible to fix and it's time consuming. They labor over that time uh, of how can I fix this? How can I make it better? And then at the end of the show, you even see them rushing, can they do it? And they leave you on the cliffhangers during the commercials and it can't be done, someone says, and someone says, yes, we can. And what happens is, is they end up losing sleep. They end up uh, uh, giving everything to this project to where they dig deep and they finish strong and make it happen. Uh, uh, They pull it out by digging deep and, and losing the sleep finish strong is kind of what we're talking about today you've heard this slogan finish strong has become a slogan that many teams use in sports finish strong when we talk about building the wall god has called us to build as jesus followers it takes us finishing the project strong in fact coaches have seen all too well how momentum can change have you watched a sporting event and it looks like one team has all the momentum It looks like one team is going to just take off and and win and just blow the other team out. But then you see the momentum shift or the momentum stops. Many times we've seen the better team lose because the underdog uh, dug deep and they finished strong. How many speeches, inspiring speeches, as we watched on video of a coach talking about finishing strong, don't look at the school scoreboard? How many times have we heard the phrase in sports and even in life, it doesn't matter how you start, but everyone will re- remember how you finish? I believe that's true in the Christian life. If you're a Jesus follower, I believe that everyone is going to remember how we finish. And we like to talk about the book of Nehemiah. I love the book of Nehemiah. I don't know if you've read it. Maybe you've enjoyed this series in the book of Nehemiah. But the book of Nehemiah to me is awesome when it talks about building. Unfortunately, pastors and and teachers, they'll teach on the book of Nehemiah and they'll just show the highlights of the book, the highlights of the success, the highlight that they built this wall so fast in record time that no one could believe it. In the first four chapters of Nehemiah, there was a lot of momentum. It looked like nothing could stop them. But anytime you build something for God, you are literally going to hit the wall. Get it? Building the wall, hit the wall, no pun intended. Anyway, just thought I'd try. That, oh, yeah, anyway. But anytime you do something for God in building, you're going to have to face adversity. You're gonna to have to face times in your life where you have to dig deep and then you have to finish strong. We could tell story after story of sporting events, projects, and life circumstances where someone had to dig deep and to get to the finish line. In our lifetime, I believe there's no greater times than how this relates to a Christ follower. In the midst of chaos, despair, and a sensitive culture, we must be determined to finish strong. We've been looking at Nehemiah in the Old Testament, and like I said a moment ago in the first half of the book, there was a lot of momentum. But we hit a chapter in chapter number four where the momentum ceases. We hit a chapter that really no one talks about these verses when you teach the book of Nehemiah. You don't hear this a lot. And we always tell the stories in the Bible about all the good things that happen in the Bible. But everybody that's ever done anything for Christ has had adversity. And the miracles that God performed to open the doors for Nehemiah to go back to his people and lead them in rebuilding the wall were unbelievable. There are so many uh, principles to apply in our lives today, and and so much momentum, and it seemed like nothing could stop them. Nehemiah chapter 4, we see the momentum starts to wear off, and with it, the project comes to a halt. Sembalat, Tobiah were characters in this chapter that really were the opposition to the wall, and, and they were building opposition against the progress with Nehemiah and the people that were building the wall. Samballot had influence with the powerful men of Samaria. Verse 2, we'll read it in just a second. And they mount their case. In these instances, the enemy uses people to speak lies into those that are carrying out the task. And I, I don't want you to miss some of this. Get a pen and a piece of paper, write in your notes. But I want, I want to say that again. In the instances where you're building a wall in your life, the enemy uses people to speak lies into those that are carrying out the task for Jesus now I want to say some statements that you need to hear in fact the only weapon the enemy has against the Jesus follower is lies the only weapon that the enemy has against the Jesus follower is lies and listen to this don't miss this the only ground the enemy can take against us is the ground we give him The only ground that the enemy can take against us is the ground that we give him. Satan and and the enemies of God have no authority in a Jesus follower's life. He has no dominion in a Jesus follower's life. It's what ground we give him is where he takes from us. And a lot of times people are living in bondage and they're living in bondage because of the self-infliction of giving the enemy ground in their life. And so when we give the enemy ground, then, then we stop the project. Did you know that Satan is a liar? The enemy of God, they're the great illusionist and is going to come in ways that lies feel like reality. Listen to this. When you're fighting the enemy, he is gonna bring illusions, lies to you that really seem like reality forever. And what happens is, is we start believing the lies. This past week, I spent uh, in Orlando with my youngest son. He graduates high school in two weeks, and I took him on a senior trip, dad and son. And we went there, and we were at Universal. And sometimes I can really kill the mood because uh, I like reality. And and we we were on this 3D ride, and I took off the 3D glasses. Anybody ever done that? And I start looking around. And so, John, he's all into this ride. And I say, hey, 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 the end of the screen's right there. Hey, hey, look at the arm down there. Hey, do you see those wheels there? He's like, can we just enjoy the ride? It's an illusion. In fact, everything at Universal Studios is fake, it's just fake. Did you know that's kind of the way the enemy wants us to live in life? It's not really reality, it seems like reality and you're stuck in it because you've believed the lies in your marriage. You've believed the lies with your children. You've believed the lies with your friends. You've believed the lies with your finances. you believe the lies against the enemy that's lying to you or about you. Today I believe one of the biggest problems of us finishing strong and building the walls that we're called to build in our life is because of lies from the enemy. And I want us to look at a list of lies that were used to try and stop Nehemiah from finishing strong, and I believe they relate to us today. Here's the first one. Write it down, ridicule. Ridicule. You see in verse number two, it says, before his colleagues, in Nehemiah chapter four, verse number two, it says, before his colleagues and the powerful men of Samaria, and said, what are these pathetic Jews doing? Notice notice." two phrases in there powerful men of Samaria and what are these pathetic Jews doing can they restore it by themselves will they offer sacrifices will they ever finish it can they bring these burnt stones back to life from the mounds of rubble just reading that text of scripture it really you can really hear the spirit of it the questioning the ridicule of how dare them think that they're talented enough to build a wall that enemies cannot come in you can really see the enemy's lies through simbalat in this verse the pathetic jews he was calling them he questioned their competence when he said can they do it themselves can they bring burnt stones back to life And this is all too familiar to anyone who has ever tried to do something greater than themselves. The enemy brings ridicule to your life, lies about you, wants to point out that you don't have the talent to do that. How in the world could you think that you could do that when you don't even have the degree for it? How in the world could you think you could lead someone to Jesus when you don't have the Bible knowledge for it? How in the world do you think you can give marriage advice when you had a divorce? How in the world do you think that you can give someone advice and give someone a, 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 a mentorship on addictions when you've been addicted before? If you think about it, you can understand how they felt. They were human like you and, and it had to hit them hard. You know how it is. You know how it is. I, I can believe, I can't believe they would try that. I just don't see them succeeding at that. That's not them. That's not their personality. We've all become really good judges of everyone else's personality. And your personality just stinks, by the way. We've all become good judges about everyone else in their life and parenting. And I I can't believe that they need to get control of their kids. Duh. (laughs) You don't think they know that? (laughs) Why would you think that you could do that when they don't even have a degree in the field that they want. How could you give marriage a vice? Ridicule. We all wear it. That's how the enemy gets to us is that ridicule. It, it's interesting to note that the religious one was the ca- one casting stones and giving those that were building the wall ridicule. It's interesting, isn't it? Out of those three men, Sam Ballot, he was the religious one. He was the one casting stones at the ones actually building the wall. Before you say how bad religious people are, you may want to see if you're one too. You see, religious people come in all forms. We like to think they're Pharisees and they come, and, but religious people come in all forms. Religiously going to church every weekend and even serving, but then living like there is no God during the weekdays is pretty religious, don't you think? In fact, the American church is good about being religious The American church in our social media age has been very good about, they do their duty and they go to church and they do these things that they're they're check marks on and then they can ridicule everybody else because they're not doing it like they should be doing it. Ridicule is one of the biggest forms that the enemy will use to get you to stop building the wall God has called you to. Let me give you two words I think is important that, that everybody in this room and watching online or listening have I want you to write it down defects. Every human being has defects. And every human being has assets. Defects and assets. And here's the interesting thing if I was to call on you right now, are you? Are to write a list. I want you to write a list of your defects. Everybody in here could really write a whole lot of defects about them. And if you can't, the person sitting next to you can. Trust me. And then, if I ask you to write down the assets, most people have a hard time even knowing what they're really good at. Because they're doubting themselves. Because in the subconscious of their life, for many years, they've been living in the defects and so they are their worst critics. So when the enemy comes and ridicules a job that's not perfect, we lean into the defects and not the assets of our life, and so we flesh out what they're saying and we receive what they're saying as it is on us and not them. We all have defects and assets in our life. If I was to ask you that, we have a hard time identifying our assets And we all dwell on our defects when the ridicule comes, we receive it and agree with it. Here's what we do. We we doubt ourselves because of the defects in our life and we try and mimic someone else's life. Or we compare ourselves to someone else. Because we dwell on the defects in our life instead of the assets that God gave us. And this could be a sermon of its own on defects and assets in our life. But when ridicule comes, we have a choice to lean in to our faith in God and to lean in that God has called us to build the wall that we're building. And we're human, we're not perfect, and all glory goes to Him. And we do our part in building our wall. The second thing I want to show in here is discouragement. Nehemiah 4.3 says this, Then Tobiah the m who was beside himself, said, Indeed, even if a fox climbed up what they are building, he would break down their stone wall. If the enemy can't get you with ridicule, he'll get you with something else. More lies through Tobiah in this passage. The wall is weak. It'll fall down easily. If the enemy can't get you through with one lie then the enemy will use another lie. There's nothing like putting your heart and soul into something and someone telling you that it doesn't mean anything or you did it wrong. It won't work. I'll never forget many years ago, pastoring in Las Vegas, and we built like three auditoriums there that time. And one of them we did ourselves and uh, the men would come at night and we'd work. And so I got this idea that I was gonna help get ahead that night and it was the night we were going to put sheetrock on the walls. So I decided, I put a tool belt on, and I decided to put the sheetrock on the wall. Man, I was so proud of myself. I did it. I nailed the sheetrock to the studs. It was on the wall. Boom. And then I put another one on the wall. Then the guy who was A head of that project who does sheetrock for a living comes and he says to me, hey, we have a problem. I said, what? What's the problem? He goes, come here. I said, okay, what's the problem? He said, yeah, um, mud and tape is not going to fix that gap in between those two sheetrocks. It was about that wide (laughs) or tall of a gap. He broke my heart. I never tried drywall ever again, and it's his fault. (laughs) In all reality, though, We've put our heart and soul into something, our family, our faith, our children, our career, our jobs. And in a split second, a lie can be put into our life that it doesn't mean a thing. Our efforts mean nothing. Discouragement comes from doubt. When someone doubts your ability or efforts, it can derail you. They worked all the time and then the doubt of what they did brought them to discouragement. See, doubt brings discouragement. Discouragement makes you stop the project. Discouragement leads you into deep depression. Discouragement causes you to think, why was I even trying to build the wall in the first place? Have you ever thought this? Well, I thought it was God telling me, but it must not have been. When in all reality, it's not God, it's the enemy, and you're facing adversity where we have to dig deep and make sure we finish strong. The enemy wants you to be discouraged. He will point out every flaw in the wall you are building. He will point out every flaw. It doesn't look like everybody else. It doesn't look sturdy enough. You didn't do enough as a mom. You didn't do enough as a dad. You didn't do enough as a friend. You didn't do enough here. You didn't do enough there. It is flawed. The enemy wants to discourage us. He'll point at every flaw. In our society, more than ever, people who have no right or no experience feel like they can pick apart your work. In our keyboard society today, our social media warriors are experts on everything. I love it when someone that doesn't have a teenager tries to tell you about your teenager. I love it when people who don't have adult children try to tell you what you're doing wrong with your adult children. I love it when people don't have a dog tell you how you should train your dog. I love it when people who have no experience in the career you have or don't walk in your shoes, they like to tell you what you're doing wrong. If you don't believe me, download the Neighborhood app. (laughs) But you want to know in all seriousness? We know that, but we still receive the discouragement. We know no one's perfect and they don't have a perfect marriage, but we receive the discouragement. We know that we don't have a perfect life, and neither they do do they, but we receive the discouragement. I love the response of Nehemiah in verse 14. Chapter four and verse 14, I love what he says. After I made an inspection, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, I love it. I love it. I'm, I'm going to show you this. I think I keep reading. Don't be afraid of them. Remember the great, awe inspiring Lord and fight for your countrymen, your sons and daughters, your wives and homes. You see, Nehemiah receives the criticism from his enemies, but he doesn't wear it as his identity. He receives the criticism because there's truth in every critic. There was flaws on the wall because he's not perfect, but what did he do? Before he said a word, what did he do? He inspected his wall. He took the criticism, he didn't wear it as his identity and said, hmm, there may be some issues with the wall. He walked around, fixed what needed to be fixed, or didn't fix it at all. Then, I love the next phrase of that verse where he says don't be afraid of them. Remember the great and awe-inspiring Lord and fight for your countrymen, your sons and daughters. He reminds them of why they are building and fighting. He reminds them in this verse. They were building for God and their families. Here's a formula when discouragement comes. Write it down. It tells us right here. I want to help you. Here's the first, first part of the formula. There's two, two parts to this in this verse. Inspect. Inspect. Listen to this statement. Where there is truth, correct it, but do not absorb it into your identity. Inspect. Where there is truth, correct it, but do not absorb it into your identity. Some of you are right, and I'm going to say it one more time. Inspect. Where there is truth, correct it, but do not absorb it into your identity. And here's the second thing. Refocus on your faith. Refocus on your faith. Sometimes you have to step back from the project, the wall you're building, and refocus on the project and not the people around you. Refocus on your faith. Why did you start rebuilding the wall in your life? Why did you start rebuilding that marriage? Why did you start becoming who you can be for Christ? And enemies come, they lie to you. You've you've hit circumstances that are challenging. So listen, I'm, I'm gonna give you a statement. Refocus on your faith and remember this reason you are doing it in the first place. Refocus on your faith and remember the reason you are doing it in the first place. Any time there is criticism, any time we notice flaws, any time we get discouraged, pull out those two statements. Because what Nehemiah did is what every Jesus follower should do. Inspect, correct, refocus on our faith. Nehemiah reminded them what they were building the wall for it, and they move past discouragement. I can't tell you how many times I've been discouraged. Discouragement set in, but then I'm reminded why I'm building the wall in the first place. You know what we need to do? We need to give ourselves a break. You're not going to hit a home run in life every time. When you're rebuilding a marriage, you're going to say something you shouldn't. When you're parenting, there's going to be decisions you make. It's kind of frustrating with me right now because I'm at this age I never thought I would be where my children are becoming adults. And I look back and I go, whoever your dad is is an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Why did I do that? (laughs) Forget the world scarring him, I did that. Discouragement sets in. You want to save your family, but yet they have to save themselves. And you wear it as your identity. Refocus if you're going to finish. Here's the last thing. Selfishness. And this, is, this is one that we don't think about much, but it ends up what's happening The lies that were spoken and doubt casted by the enemy of the Jews had taken enough root to where they started to lie to themselves. The doubt had taken enough root in the group. Chapter number 5, verses 1 through 5, the people start to question if they have the finances to complete the project. Listen, they start desiring the bondage of slavery again. At least I had food. What are we doing up here on this wall? We're never going to finish it. They're right. And what happens? The grumbling start. You see this everywhere when momentum stops. In sports teams, you can start blaming each other. In jobs, you can start blaming each other. Man, we've seen this in churches for years. Well, man, what are we doing here? Let me read it real quick. I want you to notice some things in this passage of Scripture. There was a widespread outcry from the people. Notice that. A widespread outcry from the people and their wives against their Jewish countrymen. And listen, verse 2. Some were saying, we are sons and daughters, are numerous. Let us gain so that we can eat. Let us get grain so that we can eat and live. Notice verse 3. Others were saying... We are mortgaging our fields, vineyards, and homes to get grain during the famine. Notice verse 4, still others were saying, we have borrowed money to pay the king's tax on our fields and vineyards. We and our children are just like our countrymen and their children, yet we are subjecting our sons and daughters to slavery. Some of our daughters are already enslaved, but we are powerless because our fields and vineyards belong to others. They start to question the faith process in favor of the process of the world and their enemies. They start even enslaving each other, even their own brothers. Self-preservation kicks in and they turn on each other. When doubt is cast, self-preservation happens. It's sad. We're seeing this in our society today. I almost put a picture up of someone filling up Ziploc bags with gas. You see some of the crazy pictures, and this may be sensitive to some people, but we're looking all over these events in our world, even our own country. There's one picture, this lady is trying to fill up gas with a, a clothes basket. It's all got holes all in it. And we laugh at that, and we think that's silly, but when we turn into self-preservation and we don't think we're going to win the game, we don't think we're going to have the wall built, we jump off very quickly to preserve us, to preserve our well-being. So what, what do we see our country doing? We don't have enough food. we got to make sure we have enough food. we got to make sure we have toilet paper. <laughs> We got to make sure that we have all these things in our life. And so we become self preservationists. And this is what happens to Jesus followers. We turn on each other in our homes, in our marriages, because things aren't working out. When things are working out, it's all God. When they're not working out, where is God? Hey, He's still there. We are flawed because we're sinful by nature, but He saved us by His grace and He's called us into a faith project. That's building the wall right where you are. And when you let the enemy creep in by lies in your life what happens is self-preservation and you start doubting the wall that you're building and you never see it completed because you've stepped off the wall for self-preservation this is what the enemy wants for you to turn on the people around you this is when the project is stopped he tries to creep into your marriage when things are not going so good The enemy tries to get you upset at each other when your child is not doing what they should. If the enemy can get you to think of yourself instead of the mission at hand, he has stopped the progress. Selfishness will kill the project. Selfishness is what will see the walls never built. We go into self-preservation. So here it is. Don't stop and doubt what God gave you in faith remember that don't stop in doubt what God gave you in faith you're believing the great liar you're believing the illusion that you can't win and so what you've done is you dug your heels in because it's not looking the way you thought it would look but you can't see the future look if you're walking around talking about the good old days all the time and you're not talking about the days ahead in Christ all the time there's a problem you're doubting. What relationship has God called you to mend but you stopped mending because of doubt? What dream did God give you in faith that you're halting on because someone has cast doubt on you? Have you stopped disciplining your children because it seems like it's not working? Join the crowd. <laughs> You see, we were never called, nowhere in Scripture, I challenge you, nowhere in Scripture does it call a Jesus follower to produce fruit. Nowhere. But in Scripture, he calls us to abide in his word and obey so he can produce fruit through you. We put so much pressure on us. It didn't turn out the way I thought it would turn out. So, it didn't happen the way I thought it would happen. So, did you stop battling that temptation that you seem to have run out of motivation or momentum on? Maybe you went a long way in that addiction or maybe you went a long time without looking at pornography or maybe you went a long time in not doing that and then you fell on your face and now doubt has creeped in and you won't get back up on the wall because doubt brings shame. Have you given the enemy ground? What started out so good, and it looked as though nothing could stop the momentum, and now it looks like you won't even finish the wall. Let me tell you that everyone has the moment where the momentum ceases, and you have to dig deep, lean into your faith to finish strong. Would you bow your heads right there? If you're watching online or listening answer those questions where are you at with the momentum in your faith where are you at with the momentum of building your wall maybe your marriage seems like there's so many flaws and the wall can't be built maybe it's your children maybe it's your parents maybe it's your career maybe it's something you felt God was calling you to but there's too many obstacles right with your head bowed or wherever you're at. Maybe you're listening and you say, Pastor Mark, I want you to include me in this prayer. I've gotten off the wall. The lies of the enemy has crept in and I've gotten off the wall. Would you pray for me that I'll have the boldness and courage to push the lies aside And start building that wall again. Would you lift your hand so I know how to pray? Awesome. If you're online, give a wave emoji or something. Maybe you're listening to me right now and you say, Pastor Mark, I want you to pray for me. I haven't gotten off the wall, but the lies are creeping in. I'm colder in my marriage, I'm not as sensitive anymore. I'm not as sensitive in my family. I'm not as sensitive because I felt like God is letting me down because I'm trying to build a wall, and it seems like I, I get hit with everything. Maybe it was one of those weeks for you. Maybe it's been one of those years for you. You say, Pastor Mark, I, I, I want you to pray for me because I, I need to push those lies out of my life and start focusing on the wall again. Would you lift your hand and let me pray for you? Anybody like that? You said, Pastor Mark, pray for me. Awesome, awesome. I see all your hands. It's awesome. Here's what I want to do. I want us to stand to our feet together. And I want you to join us online. Stand to your feet. And I want you to join us online praying. But Here's what I want you to do. I, I don't want you to just pray for yourself. As we pray together, I want us to pray as a family of God. Pray that our faith family stays on the wall or gets back up on the wall. Would you join me in prayer? Father, I come to you as I end this service. We're all trying to figure out how to build the wall, and Father, I pray for someone here and they've gotten off that wall because of doubt, discouragement, lies. They started to believe their spouse is the enemy. Their friends are the enemies. Their parents are the enemies. The lies. I pray that they would have the boldness and you would convict them and love them and give them that peace to get back up on that wall. I pray for those that are on the wall. They're consistently trying their best God, I pray that you protect them from the enemy. Bind the enemy in their life. I pray that we would actually believe that the enemy has no dominion and no seat at the table. And I pray as they build that wall, they wouldn't build it wounded, but they would build it in victory because they are resting in you. So Father, together we pray. Our faith family, we pray that we can finish strong so that others may know who you are. We give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.